Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Gladen, the global pastor of small groups from Saddleback Church, pulls from his over 25 years of experience to encourage and equip listeners like you to lead small group ministry. So let's listen and learn together. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on small groups. Derek here, your host with the main man, the man whose very initials stand for small groups, the man who's a fine connoisseur of cheeses, Steve Gladen. Steve, how are you, my friend? Doing well, my friend. Just uh, celebrated my birthday and uh, our team gave me a charcuterie board that was uh, fit for uh, the, the, the king, the, the lamb, the table that the Lord is going to set in heaven. I tell you, it was just incredible. You can go on my uh, Instagram or on Facebook and take a peek at it, but it was, uh, it's been a great time and feel a little bit older and that. So, and then you, my friend, I mean, I'm just celebrating a birthday, but where were you again? You know, I just got back from the great land of Peru. That's right. Monte Picchu which I probably said very white and terrible and all yeah, that. And but. Speaking of, uh, of delectable delicacies. So you're eating your, your cheese platter. I ate something in Peru um, that I think our special guest uh, might know a little something about uh, Will Johnston, who's going to talk about, we're going to introduce in a little bit, but uh, I ate something in Peru called Kui. Any idea what that is, Steve? Kui, Kui is Kui, Ui, and Gui. Uh, uh, you, you tell any, me, brother. Will any ideas? Yeah, I mean, I've been to, I've been to Peru myself, and so if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a little bit of some guinea pig there. That's right, guinea pig. Did you like it? You know, I never had it because I heard everything just kind of blends together. But maybe it'd be better in an air fryer. You know, I, I just don't really know. Well, we're going to ask our audience not to uh, take uh, Will up on it, on the offer of putting your little <laughs> guinea pig from your children into the air fryer and you know experiment because uh, that's not what the show is. That's not what the show is all about. You know, we're we're all about helping people do something that's good for the kingdom, not something that can destroy <laughs> the family when when you do that. See, Will, a little brother could be listening to this, going, "I think I'll take my sister's guinea pig and check it out." But exactly, but, Derek, did you actually have it? I actually did. Now, one, one thing you need to know about guinea pig in Peru. I don't need to know much about it. But. <laughs> these babies are fat and juicy. Like it's not, it's not like a little tiny guinea pig that we get at our pet store. These things are huge. And the surprising thing is they don't taste all that bad. The bad part is they basically roast these suckers whole and it's hard to eat when it's looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, now you're mentioning this. I think I remember my daughter when she was doing study abroad down in Chile, just, uh, you know, uh, enjoying a little bit of that. Because I remember the picture when she said looking. So looking at you. I'll, I'll stick with the, um, uh, the the cheese and fine fruits uh, board that I got. And you can stick to ooey gooey and have fun with that. Sounds good. So, hey, let me let me jump in. As Derek alluded to, we got a great show for you uh, called "Leading Up and Leading Out." I think it's one of the most uh, prevalent topics because all of us uh, are are leading, and generally, most of the people who are listening to this, we are are leading from the second chair. There's all kinds of books out there called, you know, "Leading from the Second Chair," "Leading When You're Not in Charge." 
but Will Johnston, who uh, he's going to help us get to know him just a little bit better, is one of our pastors here at Saddleback. Uh, he was at a retreat with our Connections pastors or our small group pastors, and uh, Will gave a talk uh, similar to this. He's kind of expanded it a little bit, but Will, welcome to the show. Give us a little bit of your bio and why you are more than just the handsome face that's on the screen. <laughs> I don't know if I'm more. I think I am just the face, you know, and maybe like average at best, but I appreciate I appreciate that. Well, Hannah thinks something a little different, which uh, the, how long have you been married and all those details? <laughs> yeah, my amazing wife, Hannah, we've been married for two and a half years now. Two and a half yeah, years. Still and still Steve got you. to see all of my good dance moves on the on the dance floor that day. Um, but yeah, I've been at Saddleback. I've been a pastor here for seven years now, and it's been just a gift in a few different roles, students, small groups. Um, and now I have the privilege of leading one of our campuses here. And so I get to do a little bit of that. A um, little about me. I love baseball and I love fried chicken. And those two are pretty pretty high up there on my scale. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that covers all you really need to know. No, no fried guinea pig? You know, I haven't tried it, but I can I can add it in. You know, you throw a little KFC, 11 herbs and spices on there, and it might work. I've traveled with Will enough to know that when he's saying fried chicken, I, I think the a couple of the uh, words that are missing from that description is hot chicken. Ooh, and, yep. and he is a hot chicken brother. So uh, any of my, my, my friends in Nashville, uh, bring him out. But what Will is not talking to you or hasn't shared with you so we'll start out in our student ministry was our small group pastors now leading one of our campuses. Uh, don't feel too bad for him because he's in, over in uh, on the coastline leading one of our campuses, which uh, is quite sick and all that. But uh, one of the things I've loved about Will is that he has intuitively done a number of things in his leadership development that I've seen throughout the years from when he was doing student ministries to when he was doing small group ministry and now when he's a campus pastor. And I, I kind of want to unpack some of these things because what he did naturally are, you know, things that all of us have to do because, you know, we are, we are leading. I'm in a, in a transition at Saddleback Church. We have a new lead pastor and, and there's a lot of places where I've got to lead from a, a completely different chair than when I was with Rick. And so uh, these all these muscles, but Will, could you kind of unpack a, a little bit, kind of uh, set the table for the, this conversation, and we'll kind of dive into some questions uh, that we've got written down that we want to drill you with, and then <laughs> you can kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I think this is such a prevalent conversation because churches is so much about people. It's yeah. a people job. And when we talk specifically small groups, like you said, we're usually second, third, fourth chair, and we we don't know necessarily how do we function within the staff dynamics, the workplace culture. And I think this conversation, it's come up so much when I you know originally gave this talk, it, it came up out of need of this people asking questions, people coming to me and saying, hey, I love this, I love that. How do we get there? But what's so interesting is, we typically, you know, whatever culture we're in, we begin to unconsciously take in some cues from that culture. And at least mm. here, you know, within the United States, we have we have some maybe unspoken, unseen cultures that we've taken cues from within the church and just kind of adopted 
in with us. And so I think that's really where it begins to kind of set the table. And so there are many things, probably things popping off in your mind right now, but I, I've worked at three different churches and these are these are things that I've just seen and when it being in conversations, like, okay, these these are maybe three of the most prevalent ones that kind of help set the table of what what really is underlying some of these challenges and some of these cultural reflections. And so uh, the first one is really, you know, we kind of take on this escapism work culture. So there's kind of this working for the weekend. You know, my life really starts when I'm outside of work. So what I'm doing here is kind of a second tier living. It's not really main to who I am. Uh, the second okay. that's prevalent is individualistic results. And so my personal results are the utmost sign of success. So whatever my ministry is doing, whatever I'm doing, if it's doing good, then I'm good. I don't need to check any other boxes. And that third one is passive responsibility, which is so prevalent. I mean, if you listen to any leadership podcast, so prevalent within mm -hmm. the secular work culture right now. And it's this thought of, I'm just going to take care of what I need to take care of. So this is my job description. This is it. Um, everything outside of that is this not us. And so kind of the buck never stops with me. Uh, we say things like, oh, well, they don't pay me enough for that. Or that's not, that's not really what I do. That's not my niche of the world. And so we kind of have these three, these three cultural narratives that have unconsciously slipped into our church work cultures. And many times, I, I, I mean, go for it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I love what you're talking about there is uh, when you're talking about the passive, just, just a little clarification point is that would that be not looking at the whole church piece of it? Or is that, oh, are you going a different, little bit of a different route? I think it's both. I think it's not understanding the full church. And I'll explain it in a little bit here of, okay. uh, I think of poor theology of the body of Christ. But I think it's also really just saying, hey, I'm just going to, it almost bleeds out of that second piece, which I was talking about, the individualistic results, mm. is that we... We just want to do our thing, check our box, get out. And so it doesn't then, we don't really celebrate sometimes the wins of other people in ministry. We don't celebrate the kids' ministry wins as our wins. We don't celebrate, you know, when we have a huge event and that goes on, if we have an experienced pastor, someone who, who's put so much time into that, we don't take those wins as our own and celebrate. It's all very uh, siloed when it comes to some ways some of the ways we think and value those specific ministries and our own ministry as well. Okay. Great. Yeah. So to, to think then, okay, if these are three prevalent ideologies that we've really unconsciously subscribed to, we can really see biblically, like these don't really match up with us. These aren't biblical values that we, we should be leaning into. I mean, just quickly, we can think through, okay, that first one of escapism, I mean, God wants our life to fully reflect him and flow together. So, yeah. I mean, this even goes back to kind of youth ministry conversations, what we push students on of that. Yeah, every piece of your life should be reflective of Jesus. It should all be one thing. It's not all these facets that are separate, but everything should be flowing together. Mm -hmm. And then when we think of individualistic results is we know in the church, we don't measure success maybe sometimes well. It can be hard to really measure success in the spiritual side of things. But we know that as the body of Christ, it's that's what we should be pursuing is the body of of Christ flourishing together, people meeting Jesus, spiritual maturity, mm. serving others. And if my niche ministry or idea uh, kind of takes the cake on it, then we've kind of missed it. We've kind of missed what our main goal is. 
And then lastly, going further into that in the body of Christ is we know we have responsibility to each other. So to, so to see is, oh, I'm just on my own. I don't really need to have responsibility for others. I mean, we can go back and, into Genesis and see, oh, it almost sounds like we're not our brother's keeper in that. And those things just all kind of work together and say, well, this isn't really who we are in Jesus. This isn't really who we are called to be as the church. And while the church in some ways, you know, we, we have it as a workplace, we still need to bleed out as the culture of the church and the culture of the kingdom and not the opposite. So, and you might be thinking, okay, how I, I see that. I, I don't know how that plays out. And mm-hmm. I think there's some pretty quick symptoms because I think when these things come in, we see staff culture challenges and staff culture just decaying within mm-hmm. our churches. And they look similar to when we go into our secular workplaces. And so some of those things that I think, uh, we see are, you know, we don't realize that, okay, we're dealing with people. Church stuff is yeah. all about people for sure. and we're small groups people, but we don't necessarily think of our staff as a small group. And in yeah. many ways, it's maybe our most important small group that we end up spending time with. You know, we might be spending 20, 30, 40 hours a week with these people. And so this is our most prevalent small group, but it's nothing new that to think about, okay, there is decaying culture. I mean, we even think about, we can look in scripture and we don't have to look too far to see. I mean, Paul and Barnabas even reached a point where like, yeah, I'm good. I I don't think we really need to hang out anymore. I think we're, (laughs) I think we can work separately. Yeah. Um, And so we, we have these decaying cultures. We can say, we see the symptoms of it, but then we think, okay, we, but we all would probably also agree. We want to enjoy our workplace. We want to enjoy the people we work with, but that necessarily is those two things. We can say they're both real. We see the symptoms. We see this is it. And we also see this is maybe something, okay, we we all want to enjoy working here, but we might not. And so we kind of run into a little bit of a collision when those two come together. Mm -hmm. Have you, do you think, Will, this is the same pre-COVID as post-COVID, or do you think there's a little bit more erosion happening mm-hmm. in, in, in the cultures, because especially as people are working remotely uh, in, in the workplace, there's, and even in the church, there's a lot more working remotely and there, there can be that natural decay that can actually, what you're talking about really hurt us when we're trying to, you know, lead up and, and even lead out with our staff. Yeah. yeah that, that's a really fantastic question. And I can only speak about it anecdotally. You know, I actually have these conversations with pastors a lot from other churches, different denominations. And I think the symptoms were still the same pre-pandemic, kind of with most most things we're dealing with, with most challenges. But I do think, yeah, the more time we spend apart from each other, I think typically the less grace we offer each other. We make assumptions when we don't see the behind the scenes of people, when we're not with people. And so we begin to maybe jump to conclusions, um, start maybe judging people's intentions instead of knowing their actions. And so I think there are more challenges now that we're we're maybe just a little more aware of because of maybe some of the disconnect of time we're spending with people. Yeah, no doubt. Proximity tends to breed empathy. Mm-hmm. And if we're scattered, we're working separate and things like that and the natural things you talked about. Makes sense. Yeah. 
Will, I really like your um, just the point you make on individualistic results and that my personal results are the utmost sign of success, you know, in, in the secular world, but that does so bleed over into ministry. And I like the point you make that um, we, we often don't know how to measure success in the church well. Um, but the goal is for the church, the body of Christ to flourish. And whether that's small groups, you know, you, I have X amount of groups. And so we think, oh, we've hit the pinnacle and we're healthy when maybe what's happening in the groups is not healthy, right? Or because our church has reached this number of people, um, you know, externally that can be cool and exciting and on social yeah. media. But like you're saying, the staff cannot even be unified. So I love these points you're you're hitting on. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I I think kind of the next question it comes to is then we begin to point fingers. Like we, yeah, we'll agree on that this is an issue. We'll agree we want to enjoy where we work. But then we say, okay, whose whose fault is it? And I typically see the we first kind of point to our our senior leader, which I totally understand. It's like we we see them as as this headpiece there and and we typically just jump quickly and we take ourselves out of the equation of it. But I have found that if we're if we in our small groups role or whatever other role we have in a church, if we're if we're the person that takes ourselves out of of it, then we're probably 50% of the problem. If we're just sitting back waiting, uh, mm -hmm. complaining about what other people are not doing, then we're, we're kind of part of the problem. Yeah. And I, I can think of similar, you know, phrasings that people use of, oh, well, you know, my lead pastor, they just need to set the tone or, oh man, if the denomination just did this, then fill in the blank or, oh man, if the board of directors, if the deacons, if they had this conversation, then things would be different. And so we, we think of, a, of certain people in authority as the ones who have the sole responsibility with staff dynamics, with our workplace, instead of maybe seeing ourselves as an equal portion. So instead of seeing it as maybe a pie, that we're all an equal part of the pie. And well, if the pie don't taste good, hey man, we're just, we are one of those slices that don't taste good as well. And so we, we have to think of ourselves in it and not necessarily as ones who are receiving it. And yeah, I think well, that's you, where part of that disconnect is. Yeah, you bring up a great point. And, and I know we want to get to some of the practical pieces, but I, I think I can remember young in my ministry career, uh, how whether when I was in student ministry or in uh, uh, singles ministry or even couples ministry, you know, there was that those points where I, I would think to myself, well, if the if the church was growing, if the weekend was growing, mm -hmm. then I could do my job a whole lot better versus mm -hmm. thinking, you know, OK, if the weekend is hurting, how can I come along and be a part of that solution exactly. and, and, and be seen as a a friend, not a foe to the senior pastor or if nothing else, an anchor um, that's doing nothing but sitting around waiting to be used. And so uh, on the ship. So. Uh, I think you bring up a, a good point because I think when you're not in the first chair, it's very easy for you to armchair quarterback or critique or not jump into the fray and say, how do I help this? Whether or not it's, it's in my job description. So uh, now when you're moving away, let's say 
all of our listeners, which I know they are, they're like going, I, I would never cast blame like Steve did when he was younger <laughs> uh, with that. But so what, what would be some steps to go towards that? How would you, how would you course correct maybe some things when you're thinking about, you know, okay, is this a course correct on leading up a course correct on leading out? What, how would you navigate that? Hmm. That, that's great. And I, I think I'm going to set some crawl, walk, and run steps for us because we're all at we, different we, we points. We love that at Saddleback. We do. We do love that. And I think we're all just at different points with this. And I think everything I'm going to present is pretty, it's pretty standard. Like nothing's necessarily novel about it, but I think it just takes a lot of intentionality. Mm. I think we can, when we're not doing it, like we can say, oh yeah, this is easy. And the truth is it is easy, but is it a habit? Are these things bleeding in to our everyday church life? And typically, and I'll speak for myself, typically it's no. Typically it's no. I can go through this list myself, and this is a checklist for myself. And I can say weekly, oh, this isn't how I've lived. And so it's making it a habit because we can say it's easy and we can do it one off. But if we don't make it a habit, then nothing is realistically going to change. So I think it really starts with thinking about what, what do you want your work culture to be? And then what steps are you going to take it, take to get there? It's basic goal setting. But many of us want someone else to, like I said earlier, set the tone. And so then we don't even think about, we'll complain about it, but we don't necessarily think about what's the work culture? What's the church culture we want to create here? We let that be separate. When, when really we need to start with that of where do we want this to be? What do I want it to be when I step in at 9 a.m. or Sunday morning at 7 a.m.? What do I want it to feel like? And what are the steps that I need to take to get there? So I'll give some helpful pieces here of maybe some crawl steps. And this for me started out just as a checklist of, okay, if I'm going to be intentional in my community here, in my staff, this is a checklist that I feel like we need to be going through every other week just to say, okay, am I doing these things? I remember in a leadership class in Bible school, we we talked through so many leadership principles that were basic. And then we had to follow up within our ministry. Are we doing those things? And we all came back and it was like with 10% efficiency, are we doing those things? Wow. And so this is a checklist I think is helpful to come back to every other week. And so he, in the crawl steps, I just have a lot of questions. So if you're okay. thinking, man, I just really need to get started with this. I just need to try something. I think these are all questions that are helpful. Uh, so, so the first one is, uh, how can I make this more fun, memorable, or intentional? And that's just whatever you're doing, whether you're in a staff meeting, whether you're at lunch with your staff, whether you're in a hard conversation, how do you make it more intentional? How do you make it more memorable? Are you just allowing things to happen or are you being proactive in those conversations, in your staff meetings, in your conversations? Mm -hmm. um, the second is how much time am I spending with each staff member? And this is twofold. This is, am I not spending enough time with a certain staff member or am I spending too much with another staff member? Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we know this, we all gravitate towards certain people. Yeah, uh, so. We're always going to have our staff buddy, but are we spending adequate time with each staff member? Are we saying, well, okay, you know, I don't really connect with this person. Well, do you not connect with that person because of realistic things or is it just because you haven't spent time with them? That's a true thing. How do we equally share time with people? Uh, the third one is, 
When was the last time I ate a meal with each staff member in a setting of four or less? And so mm. I say four or less is like, is it intimate? Can you have yeah. real conversation there? And some of us, you know, our staffs, I've worked on a church where the staff was less than four. And so I, you can have all those intimate conversations, but as they continue to grow, as your staff continues to grow, you need to be intentional thinking, okay, just because it grows, we can't keep doing the same things and expense, expecting the same intentionality and output from it. So making yeah. challenge, making changes to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Number four is when was the last time I talked with them about their family? This just shows deeper care. Yeah. We can be so tied to task and responsibilities in ministry that we forget about the personhood. We forget about the person that we're dealing with. And so we separate ourselves. So then it becomes, if it's just about tasks and responsibilities, if they are not doing their task, if they're not doing what's helpful for me, then our relationship is not good together. But if it's more than that, if it's more about their family, if it's more about who they are as a person, then those things are actually secondary. We care about them as a person first. And when we think about then judging their intentions, we know their intentions. We know who they are. You know, I remember when, uh, when we were taking Erica to college, this is seven, eight years ago. And I remember, uh, Rick, I forget if he sent me a text or a, an email and he just said, Hey, I know you're jumping on a plane, you and your family, you're going to go as a family of four, dropping your daughter off. You're going to come home with three. He goes, I know it's going to be the toughest day of your life. And I just want to let you know, I'm praying for you. Kay and I are praying for you. And, and it, it literally brought me to tears because I'm like going, Oh my goodness, you know, it's just, you know, not out of the blue, but it was just one of those things where, you know, he was engaging me where my heart was at. So uh, I love that. I interrupted you, but keep pressing. These are gold. These are are only crawl steps. I know we got some walk and runs to come to. Yeah. Uh, So the next crawl step is how much time am I spending in communal spaces or around other staff? This, no matter what size of church you're at, can be an issue. If you're just a closed door mentality of, hey, you you show up, you get your stuff done, it happens behind a closed door, yeah. you're making choices that have consequences that come with that. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, I try to have a 50-50 mentality with myself. Yeah. Because I know, and we all know, if we're in a communal space, we probably get a little less done. We're probably not as productive as we are maybe when we're on our own. But there's something that communicates when we're working with each other. And there's something also that spending time with people breeds collaborality. And that's not something that necessarily comes quickly or easy. And so Did spending time in those collaborality. I made that word up. I realized that as I said it, you know, and uh, yeah, you'll find it in a dictionary soon. It's by the uh, 2023 I, I, version. It'll be there. I yeah. love it. Collaborality. Breeds know, a little collaboration, you know, for all of the old people out there who don't have the newer dictionaries there. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I didn't say you, Steve. You you took that on yourself. You you put uh, yourself okay. in front okay. of it. Keep going. Keep going with how we're building this community. <laughs> uh, next is when was the last time I followed up on something we talked about recently? So if someone mm. shared something with you, That's whether so it was a prayer request, whether it was something going on in their life, when was the last time you checked in? And it can be something light. Um, I know someone I worked with is a huge uh, Penguins fan, and I don't like hockey at all. But when they were in the playoffs, I'm texting, Oh man, did you see this? I can't believe that play. That's nuts. That's crazy. And that those are just little things that go a long way with people. 
the next is what does each staff member want from our relationship? So what are expectations that they want? Because you'll have people on mm-hmm. staff that are extreme extroverts. And if they could have a game night with you seven nights of the week, they will be there ready to go. And there's other people who, hey, all they want from you is maybe just a weekly check-in and dropping off a coffee at their desk. And knowing those expectations helps you spend the the time that actually needs to happen for that relationship to grow. And then the last one, which honestly could be the first one, is when was the last time I encouraged each staff member? When was the last time I encouraged each staff member to their face? Yeah. And I think I know for myself, I can get caught on that one and say, well, it's, it's been some time. It's been some time. So there's yeah, some crawl steps and you this, might this, say. This list is gold. I mean, just, <laughs> uh, just on the crawl steps, I'm like going, dude, by the way, people may be thinking, you know, you may be listening to this podcast and you're listening to, you know, leading up and leading out with our, our buddy, Will Johnston. And you're like going, you're listening, going, oh, what are all those? Hey, in the show notes, we are going to, we are going to capture everything that will has been dropping on us and we'll, we'll get these to you. So if you're, if you're feeling lost in the world, don't worry in the show notes, you're going to have it all itemized for you uh, the best we can. We will edit out, you know, the, the uh, air fryer on the, on the uh, hamsters <laughs> and the gerbils and all that, but we'll, we'll get you the good stuff in the show notes so you can keep going with that. So you gave us some great crawl steps. I mean, I mean, seriously, will awesome crawl steps what get, go to the walk and the run yeah yeah and we'll we'll walk and run through these ones too and if yeah if you're saying these are easy okay how do we then step up the ante uh, yeah. with walk steps i think a good walk step is for you to have an onboarding strategy for new staff so we um, think of onboarding maybe being if we're a larger church an hr thing or maybe yeah. being a senior lead pastor piece yeah but as staff who are just sitting around a table equally, how do we have an onboarding strategy? So are we taking them out to lunch, you know, or bringing in a quick lunch for them that we can just sit and chat? Uh, For me, my onboarding strategy is spending time with that person once a week for just, Hey, maybe going and sitting in their office, uh, maybe taking them out. And then the second thing is a weekly check-in on if they have questions. Mm -hmm. Every church culture is different. Mm -hmm. So they can be in ministry for 40 years, come to a new staff, and it's really starting over and figuring things out. And so it's two weekly check-ins, one for relational connection and one for work connection. Hey, can I help you with anything? Are there any acronyms we use that you just have no idea what we're talking about? All of those pieces that sometimes we just don't think about. And then staff are sitting there for a year and being like, man, they have been talking about this every staff meeting for a year. And I'm just afraid yeah. to ask. We can take care of those things, being somebody around the table and making yeah. that initiation ourselves. Yeah. So we have to have an onboarding strategy. Uh, secondly, is this thinking about how, how do we engage them on a deeper level? So outside of an onboarding, just a normal staff member, uh, inviting them and their spouse over for f- a food or game night. I know I briefly mm-hmm. talked about earlier, some people would want this every night, but maybe even just quarterly thinking, how am I engaging their family? How am I engaging their family outside of a nine to five uh, workday? Uh, the next is, This is a fun one. Know everyone's favorite drink. So when you go to a restaurant, uh, I I don't know about you, but I find that everybody, the splits, you get into a restaurant, people need to wash their hands. They're checking in on their kids. Do they need to pick up their kids because they're in detention? And if you know everyone's drink and can order for them, you think, oh, that sounds kind of, I don't know, that's that's a random one. 
but it goes a long way with people because it shows that they're known on a deeper mm-hmm. level. It yeah. shows, okay, yeah, you know them. You've spent time with them. You know their ministry. If you know something so finite with them, then you might know some of the bigger things as well. I know uh, Derek's drink is a Shirley Temple, so I've got that down <laughs> pat. Oh, I, I, I love know, that. I, you know? I love that. That's that's what I'd call a pro tip right there. Know their drinks. Come on. I mean, yeah. this stuff sounds so simple on ways, but it's it's so huge, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so it's so human. It's so personal. And I mean, I know we've all worked for several churches by now in our lives. And it's it's crazy how I mean, I look back on some of some of the churches I was at had had the had I practiced some of this and then, you know, the lead pastor practiced some of this, I might have lasted a lot longer. <laughs> so true. Yeah, and I think that's just the case of uh, we can we can take some of the initiative to help ourselves. Some of the burden that we're carrying, these simple things take off. And so when we think about some of these bigger challenges that are weighing on us, some of these set the table to actually take apart some of those deeper challenges before they ever start, before they ever get going. Um, some of those other walk steps, which I think are are helpful to to break those down even more uh, is knowing their birthdays and their family members' birthdays. Again, an yeah. easy thing, but you know, as much as I love you, Steve, I don't know your exact birthday, but it's in my calendar. I have your birthday in my calendar. And so, you know, hey, this last week you said it was your birthday. And I, man, 11 a.m., I get a reminder. It's Steve's birthday. And I shoot you a text. And though I have every staff member in my, in my calendar. I have every staff member's spouse. And I also have now every staff member's kid's birthday in my calendar. So I can just follow up with them, send a nice little text to say, hey, have a great birthday. And those little things go a long, long way. Hey, your present didn't come yet. So just if you have the tracking number, if you can flip that (laughs) and check it up on it. Uh, Yeah, I I sent a carrier pigeon and uh, he only had one leg. So I don't know if he'll make it there on time. But by next year, it'll be there. It'll be there. And that's your money back. Exactly. That goes to my next one, which is actually individualized birthday gifts. And now you're thinking, hey, I make as much as a pastor. I don't have enough for individualized birthday gifts. But I will tell you, over my 12 years in ministry, the gift that's meant the most to me, and you're going to laugh at this, is I got (laughs) this year for my birthday from a staff member, a one of those pop figurines of the Hamburglar. And you think that is so random, and it was, and it probably cost him five bucks. But another staff member, I, we've got some inside jokes about McDonald's. They're dumb. They're probably not funny to any other person. But to me, that he knew me so well that he was going to buy me something that was significant to our friendship. Mm. It didn't have to cost a lot. But again, it was personalized. It was individualized. <laughs> And that thing is sitting on my desk and my wife hates that it's sitting on my desk. But that to me means something. And we can all do that. We can spend three, four bucks on something that means something to someone besides getting a gift card for 25. We don't need to be thinking about those things. We can just think of something that's individualized for someone that might mean something more to them. And just so you guys are knowing, as Will's blown through these lists and everything like that, he, he, he preaches, he lives what he's talking about, and he buys what he sells. I know that uh, he had a connection with my son who he knew loved hot sauces and he, not an expensive thing, 
but got him, you know, uh, you know, a four set little bottle of hot sauces that uh, he loved, and he just knew it was Pastor Will uh, mm-hmm. with that. So it's you know, it's these things. So keep going, man. I just gotta. I could oh, jump thanks. in on everything, but thanks, man. And I hope you sweated with those hot sauces with him. I hope you. <laughs> so that was the motivation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, the last walk step I have is show up to something that matters to them, whether that's uh, a kid's sports game or play, uh, whether it's something that they do, even if it's just a slow pitch softball league, whatever matters to that staff member, just make an attempt to show up and just be present doesn't cost anything won't take too much of your time but just show up to something that matters you know and in so often in student ministry this is such common stuff i mean can't tell you how many high school games i went to how many junior high games i went to how many recitals i went to as a student pastor but you know somehow as we drift into adult world we forget that the same principles are so powerful so okay what, what do you got for us on the run you you've you've gone through seven eight or so crawl, six or so walk. And as we bleed into the run steps, mm-hmm. man, keep going. Yeah, the run steps, I think we need to th- we need to think about what we're thinking about. And I, I read this really interesting study about long-lasting relationships and marriages. Mm-hmm. And they talked about that unique joint experiences were one of the great underlying contributors to long-lasting marriages. And I thought that was so interesting, and I began to apply it to my ministry and how I connected with people, is how can I then create unique joint experiences with my staff, with people that are sitting across from me at a desk? And I think this is where things can go from really good to great, and they're not actually hard. So two things that I'll just throw out here that I've done that are very really helpful is finding grand openings in your area. These are just when I talk about unique joint experiences, these are just one-offs that maybe are a little bit different. Uh, to give some perspective, this is kind of like when a team goes on a mission trip and they mm-hmm. didn't know each other beforehand, but they come back and they are tight. I mean, That's they sure. will just tell everybody every story, play by play, that you do not want to hear, but it's meant something to them that they've lived this unique joint experience. So how do we then create that in our everyday ministry when we're grinding nine to five, when we're grinding all this extra time uh, together in ministry? So one of those is grand openings. There are so many in different communities where it's just a grand opening. You come for free and they are usually pretty comical because most places aren't prepared for a grand opening. And so we started doing this as a staff. I would just find grand openings. We would go and these were just unique joint experiences. Mm. And then on the ministry side is where can you look for unique community of events where you as a staff can engage in the community? So you're really working hard at something, but it's something significant that you guys get to join in together. in. so those are these two easy run steps, but I think it really starts with how do you share more unique joint experiences with your staff? Will, what would a, could you give a, give a couple examples of what a community event might be? Hmm. Yeah. I think it's just something that you don't have to put on. So something that you get to join in with. So this can be even as an outreach event of, hey, reaching out to um, whether it's the city, Parks and Rec Department, they're just putting something on for the community. Uh, I know this last year, uh, the city I, I was working in, we they put on as just an Easter event the week before Easter. And we mm-hmm. said, hey, can we just come along suit and 
just help you with whatever you're doing. It was a great outreach for us to connect with families in the community. But it was, it's, it's just a wild time when you are actually not in control of the event. And there were just so many stories that came out for that. And we just got a bond as a staff for that time together. So would that include maybe even baseball games or things like that? Anything? Oh, sure. Yeah, it can be some fun stuff too. you know, go to a minor league baseball game, go to go to something that's fun together, spend time that's just unique with people. That's just not not something you do every day. Yeah, no, it's great. So, Wills, we've been talking about leading up and leading out. And you talked about a lot of good foundational things that you do. The crawl, walk, run. I love your phrase, you know, it's easy, but is, but is it a habit? And I'll just want to encourage listeners to go into the show notes, go through these crawl, walk runs and listen to them. But we're not, we're not done yet. But, uh, you know, the other thing I would say is, you know, Will and I have, and Derek have journeyed down this road of doing these things. It's going to take time. And when you look at this list, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how do I microwave it? And he just can't. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this is so important. Foundational piece. This is so important because what it does is it sets up the next thing that we're going to talk about. And, and Will, we know that the senior leader is probably one of the biggest juggernauts that, you know, people who are small groups uh, types that are trying to listen to, listen to this and go, okay, I'll, I'll put in these crawl walk runs in play. But would you say as you're, how, how is, because we know trust drives everything. Mm-hmm. How, what would be some some nuggets that maybe as we're trying to to build those bridges and obviously the the crawl walk runs that that you gave right here but what how would you unpack that part of it as you're going to that next level of of really working with the senior leader mm, that's that's really good i you know this kind of gets into that leading up principle we've talked about leading yep. out but this gets to that leading up principle and typically when we approach this we come with the idea of, okay, our senior leader in our eyes isn't doing something correctly or our senior leader isn't taking our ideas. And so then we want A, B, and C to happen. And so it doesn't actually start with wanting to build trust, to build trust in relationship. It starts with wanting something on the other end of it. And so our senior leader becomes a means to an end. So I think building trust, it really just needs to begin with right intentions. Instead of wanting to connect with them because we want something, we need to start with the right intentions because that's the difference with actually between leading up and sucking up. Those, <laughs> those are those two things that if it's with another intention, oh, this is actually just sucking up. And we, we've been around, we know, we know we can see those things Eric, happen. Eric, that's gotta be the title of the show now. You know, it's not leading <laughs> up and leading out, it's leading, What'd you say? Leading. I said the difference between leading up and sucking up. Yeah. Yeah. There we go, baby. <laughs> leading up versus sucking up. There we go. I, I think it's, you know, we got to get a little, it's going to be great. That'll drive it through. Anyways, exactly. I, I digress very quickly. As you can see on the show, you'll never come back. Will, but we want to have you back. <laughs> Keep going. I'm used to you by now, Steve. I'm used to you by that's, now. So that's true. Uh, so really it just, it just can't be a ploy. You know, building trust cannot be a ploy. It has to really start with enjoying and living with the people that God has placed in your life. Because really, it's, it's not going to be successful in the long term. If it really is about sucking up, if it's about getting something, if it's mm-hmm. not done with the right heart, probably the right action is not going to come out. And then not, not the right result is going to follow with it. Mm-hmm. So, so I really think trust with a senior leader, it starts with just the basics of being a good friend. 
And you might say that is obvious, but exactly. It's obvious. And many times I know I haven't done it. Many times I've seen other people when they come to me and say, Hey, I'm having this, this, and this, how do I approach them about a serious conversation? So it starts with the end first saying, Oh buddy, man, you got a lot of things to work through before you can get to that. You haven't even built friendship and trust with them. And so it's kind of this funny disconnect though, because typically, I mean, if you're in ministry, you know, people want to be close to the senior pastor. They want to be close to the lead pastor. But then yet when we get into a church role and many small groups people, we might be the closest person to the senior pastor. We don't actually value that relational equity that maybe someone who's just an average church attender would. And so we begin to think of it more in work terms, which we've talked about earlier in a work culture, thinking of them as a boss instead of a ministry partner. And so we then just take ourselves a little bit out of the equation. We want them to take the initiative in our relationship. We want them to really take lead. And so we just sit back and wait for our senior leader, our lead person to initiate. And then we become frustrated when our relationship with them doesn't look the ways that we want it to. Yeah. And so we need to make changes when it comes, when it comes to that. So good. So good. So Will, you've set this up great for us. So how do we go about getting practical now about making changes to uh, make all this come about? I think it really starts with a fancy Christian word, which I didn't make up, uh, which is posture. It needs to start with the right posture. Uh, where I gave very practical pieces for for leading out, I think it comes with the right posture. And some of these are practical, but I, I just have about five or six questions, which I think are helpful to gauge your intentions. Are your intentions right? Um, so the first one is, when's the last time you prayed for your lead pastor? Mm. Easy. It's Christian. We should say, oh, yeah, we, oh, yeah, we do it. Yeah. But do we? But do we? Uh, the next is when was the last time you asked about their kids? This is similar to a crawl step. I said with leading out, you got to care for care for their family. Uh, when was the last time you asked them out for dinner? I've heard people say, "Oh man, you know they never they never invite me over. They never have me out." Okay, well when when's the last time you did it? If you if you're not doing it, how can you expect them to do it either? Uh, when was the last time you asked if there's something you could take off their plate? So many times we're saying, okay, why can't they trust me with more? Well, how about we put it vice versa? If you see them struggling with something, saying, hey, can I take this off your plate for you? Can I run with this? And I will say 100 million percent of the time, they will say yes. I don't know any lead pastor that doesn't want to push something off of their plate onto somebody else. And so when you I take that I can't do that on, when I take them to dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll do it more on the work thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but this is this is key of taking something off their plate. And I think similarly to that is, can you be the conscious for something on your church's campus, in your church work culture, that maybe they are not aware of? Or maybe yeah. there's something they're not good at. I think that's where things can kind of make a shift of, I know some in my previous role, there was an area where I knew my lead pastor. This wasn't his skill set. He was honest about it. But I was I was a little above average in that area. And so I said, hey, can I be the conscience for this at the campus? Can I just take things over on this and just ask good questions about it and follow up with it? And those are areas that, okay, you are, you are asking for trust. 
it most of the time will be given, and then you get to prove yourself with it. The next is, when was the last time you talked with no agenda? I find that the larger your church staff becomes, the more the relationship between the senior leader and staff person becomes just about tasks and responsibilities. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I, I have a second with them. I'm going to take it to ask about this, this, and this, mm. where we really need to start with, if I have a second with them, I'm going to check in on how they're doing. I'm going to check in and, hey, how's your marriage holding up? This, is, this seems like a hard season for you. Or, hey, I, you know, I saw on Instagram, your, your kid's in Little League right now. How, how's it going? I think when we think about, okay, I have a second with them, we should think of that first before having an agenda piece. And then the last thing to think about is when was the last time you texted them about something happening in their life? And why I say text is this is an outside of work time. This is a time that's on your own. And you're saying, hey, I'm going to take the initiative to ask you something about your life that's going on with you and check in. So these are all just kind of flipping the script of if you're in a leadership role, oh, this is just, oh, yeah, I would ask my people this. But how can we flip it and put the responsibility on ourselves? So, Will, you're talking about some great things from the last uh, chunk of uh, the episode to this one, you know, you know, on the, on the leading out and then as we're talking about the leading up, but what, what do you do? What if it's not all roses? Maybe <laughs> this is the front end. What if there's you snap? I know you never experienced this part with me, uh, <laughs> but, I, but let's suppose, you know, there, yeah. there's a hiccup, a problem, uh, a fly in the ointment, something like that, that's going on. Uh, which maybe some people have out there. Maybe they they're trying to. What what would you? How, how would you take this a step deeper into yeah. the conversation with the senior leader? Yeah. So how do we have these hard conversations with someone in a seat of power over us? I think is always a challenge. And you know, you might come through here these these posturing questions I ask and think, okay, I'm just good to roll. Mm-hmm. And for me, I. I try to ask myself a few questions before I go into these conversations to make sure my intentions are pure because we typically want to express concern, frustration, or challenges, but those are all emotions that can express themselves in so many different ways. And they can be rooted in some deeper heart areas. I think we need to be aware of before we just say, okay, I've got a good relationship with them. I'm just going to jump in. Mm -hmm. And so questions I think of are one I talked about earlier is when was the last time I encouraged them? If I can't think about the last time I've encouraged them, I probably shouldn't be having a hard conversation with them. My intentions probably aren't right. Uh, The second is I ask, are my emotions pure or am I mad because they shot down my idea? They've been spending more time with another staff member besides me. Um, Or there's something going on at home within my life and I actually don't have a healthy outlet for it. So I'm finding this to let it out. And then the last one is, am I okay being wrong? When we bring something to a person, specifically a, a lead pastor, someone in authority over us, there is a good possibility that our vision isn't whole with this, that we are not seeing everything in the picture. So are we okay if he either do, he or she doesn't agree with it? Or if actually our perspective is not full and is actually incorrect because of it. And so but, when we can start there, we can start to make changes. So we'll take it another step, though, because, I mean, this looks great in, in the conversation, but 
there is the reality too that mm -hmm. when when people are trying to engage with their their lead person there there is a little bit of you know fear and trepidation yeah. uh because they are they are in power they are they are in the seat ahead of us mm -hmm. what in fear is a common emotion the enemy uses yeah. that on on every place it can what how would you how would you address that aspect of it i mean i love where you're going with this mm -hmm. but there's also just if they can't overcome the emotional piece they'll never get to these pieces yeah i i think that's a really honest question and i do know in ministry there are leaders who are unhealthy there are leaders who things just don't things aren't in the places they need to be but i i i'm I'm a very positive guy, so I would venture to say that most of our the people leading us, they want the betterness of the church. They want our church to grow, to succeed, to be healthy. And if we begin with that and believing that if that is their goal and what we're bringing to them plays into that goal, we don't have to approach it with fear. Uh, I think there's good ways to approach it when it comes to practical pieces, you know, of our tone, the time we spend with them uh, when we have these conversations. But if it's playing into the overall goal of the church, I know now sitting in a lead role currently, mm -hmm. I, man, I would value if there's something that's going on that needs to be changed, bring it to me. If I said something that either hurt somebody, offended someone, man, bring it to me. And I would love to talk through that. And so when it starts with that, if it starts with saying, I care for the betterment of the church, so I am bringing this up. That is where I think the fear can take a backseat and we can yeah. view this as a team going forward in the future. Okay. Well, we've been uh, talking with Will Johnston, uh, one of my favorite pastors on Saddleback staff, did a doing some great things. We'll get some final words that we may have missed uh, from you on that. I also have a companion podcast that goes with this. That'll be in the show notes. You can look on that on, on how to uh, lead up with your senior leader. And as we've been talking about leading up and leading out uh, or uh, which I like better leading up and not sucking up, uh, <laughs> that'll be the subtitle uh, to it. Uh, Will, do you have any last thoughts before Derek brings us home and wraps it up? Yeah, I would I would just say leading up and leading out. Uh, it, you know, it's not about getting your way, like we were just talking about. It's not about making your rise to the top. It's about caring for your church. It's mm -hmm. about caring for your staff, uh, your senior leader, having their back. And if you commit to just those things, mm -hmm. your church will be a better place. Outstanding. So good, Will. Uh you should sleep well tonight, knowing that Steve Gladen just said you are one of his favorite Saddleback pastors. Because <laughs> I've never said that before. <laughs> one uh, of many, one of many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we have we have way too much fun, which is which was why we had to jump you on here. And uh, Will, you, the gold you brought, and again, that's why I remind our listeners all all the lists that he threw out, we are going to get them into the show notes. They'll be there uh, for you to go from, because there, there's actually some, some stinking gold on this. And so, so happy for that. So we'll love what you brought. Well, Big thanks. Thanks gold. for having me. And man, for all those listeners praying for your churches, praying for your staff health, because I know how much mm -hmm. that matters.
Yeah, well, great job. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for all the time you put into these notes. Like Steve said, absolute gold. Everybody listening, go to the show notes, uh, download these. Uh, this this list will create it, print it, put it on your fridge, tape it to your forehead, and uh, <laughs> and you'll have a healthier church culture because of it. Well, we also want to thank everybody listening. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us and for tuning in to SG Squared. And we, our prayer is that this episode encouraged you and empowers you to lead healthier, better small groups in your local church. So until next time, goodbye. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to dive in deeper, get more resources, or join the Small Group Network, just head over to smallgroupnetwork.com.